So um, here we are. What a moment. Pretty intense times, pretty unique moment. Mm. Next few days, probably next few weeks, a huge impact on this country. If you're here in the United States listening or on the world and on humanity, um, and for each of us uh, at this moment, um, I'm sure you're affected one way or another. And I wanted to uh, share tonight uh, the topic of, um, I'm giving this talk for myself as well as for everyone, uh, a time for equanimity. And what I, I wanted to do is start out with uh, a song, actually. Eve is not able to be here tonight. I think she'll be here next week. But I have a little treat that I'm going to put in the uh, chat box. Uh, so you, because you're probably going to say, oh, where can I get that? Uh, and uh, this is called The Keep Going Song by the Beng Songs. Uh, somebody sent this to me a few days ago, um, and I just love it. And I think you might appreciate it too. Anybody here has heard it? Any hands up? Oh, good. Then you're all in for a treat. <clears throat> so here it is. I'm going to share the screen. And this is probably uh, as, as good a way to, um, to set up the, the talk and also the, uh, the attitude for us. Let's see. Yeah, let me first get this and now I'll share the screen. Let's see. Yep. Yeah. Everybody see it? Hang on. People see it? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. It's about five minutes, five minutes, 45 seconds, and just sit back and enjoy. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. This is the keep going, keep going, keep going on, keep going on song. I am Abigail. This is Sean, and we're so glad that you turned this on, and welcomed us into your home, and you are welcome into our home. We're in Dayton, Ohio, in Sean's parents' house, <laughs> Sean's parents' house. We were in Louisville when the shit hit, and we packed our three-year-old into a car. We drove kind of far, we drove here, and we've been so lucky and blessed to be safely here. And we thought we'd be here for like 10 days. Tops. What did we know? What did we know? What did, what did we know? We thought we knew a lot. We thought we knew a lot. Like a lot of it, and I hope that you find a handle 
lotion that actually makes your skin feel better and I hope that you have enough to eat. Hope you're getting enough sleep and I hope you have enough good company or enough good memory to last you a long time. Oops. No, no, no. Sorry. Get this off now. Where is it? 100 days. Stop the sharing. <clears throat> ah. Isn't that great? <laughs> I've probably played it about uh, 20 times or more. Keeps on growing on me. And uh, there it is in, in the chat box uh, for, for those who came in late. I know that when you, when you come in late, the chat box, uh, you don't get to see it. So here it is once again, whoops, uh, yeah. the keep going song, the Bengsons. So um, that's what we're called to do, I think, as much as anything, to just keep going on much better than the alternative. 
so a time for equanimity, how, how to navigate this time and uh, to use our practice to carry us through, to hold us through with all the feelings that might be coming up, whether anticipation, concern, fear, love, compassion, despair, all of it. Equanimity is that quality that the Buddha spoke so highly of that helps us hold it all with, with balance, with spaciousness that allows for everything. Here we are in the, the human realm. It's said in, in Buddhism that in the, if you're born in the human realm, um, it's kind of a anthropocentric way of looking at things, but you know, perhaps there's something to it. If you're born in the human realm out of six different realms of uh, possible births in, in one cosmology from the hell realm to the hungry ghost realm and the animal realm and the human realm and the Titan realm and then the Brahman realm, the, the, the heavenly uh, divine uh, realms, that the human realm is the best one to be born into if you're interested in awakening because it is the one that has both sorrow and joy. It's really hard if you're down in the, the hell realms. <clears throat> and sometimes we can be in the hell realms right in our mind. So this is both uh, cosmologically and psychologically. We probably all know what it's like to be in the hell realms in our mind. And it's really hard to get some, some space when we're stuck in that place inside. But cosmologically also, um, if you're in the heaven realm all the time and you're just enjoying the bliss, oh, how cool, how wonderful. I'll just hang out here and there's not the, um, not the same um, impetus and motivation to wake up. But the human realm has both sorrow and joy. The 10,000 sorrows and the 10,000 joys is, as they say in Taoism. And this is what we're called to do. And particularly now when everything's online, uh, how can we find a, a spaciousness that just allows for it all right now and a week from now or a month from now. I love the image of uh, the Buddha touching the earth. You, I'm sure you're familiar with the, the Buddha statues where the Buddha is touching the earth just before he was enlightened um, as the earth is witness for all the lifetimes of his work. But it's also there he is being grounded and allowing for it all, or the, the other image of, of, of the Buddha, Buddha statues, there he is with a smile on his face, sitting serenely, knowing as profoundly as any human being, the truth of suffering. That's how he started his teaching. There he is as intimately connected and aware of the truth of suffering. And there he is with a, a half smile on his face, making space for it all. We're touching the earth and being grounded and being here for it all. That's what we do when we sit, when we are going through whatever we go through, our fears, our sorrows, our anger, 
our love, our compassion, our wandering mind, our spaced out mind, our mundane mind that says, oh, am I going to get my ice cream cone or whatever it is that your mind says you'd like to get, you can fill in the blank. Or when is this pain going to go away? And here we are sitting here with it all. <clears throat> so equanimity, which is the secret ingredient that holds our our love, our metta, holds our compassion from being swept away by grief and pity, holds our joy from getting lost in over-exuberance or jealousy. Equanimity holds all of those beautiful qualities and grounds them in seeing, oh, there's a spaciousness that's even wider than whatever place the mind or the heart can go to. But what equanimity also inherently has in it is a letting go of attachment. You can't have equanimity with attachment although you can be mindful of the attachment and have equanimity around the attachment. But in the moment that we're attached, we are not in equanimity because there's a contraction in the mind and the heart. So equanimity by definition has to allow for things to be the way they are. That's a, that's a big task at this moment, to let go of attachment. Let go of attachment to outcome. Can we, can we care so deeply, whatever your vision and hope is, can we care so deeply and yet let go of our attachment to outcome? That's a tall order right now. And that's what our practice is asking us to do. Another word for it, a very profound word in the teachings for me, and perhaps for you too, is surrender. Is surrendering the control that we've never had in the first place we can give our input and show up as best we can. And uh, if you have been here before, you know that that's something I, I really uh, encourage myself and, and others to show up as best we can, as much as we can with all the passion and all the heart, but let go of outcome. Mm -hmm. And that that also requires um, letting go of hope. I'll just say a word about this, maybe a few words about it before moving on. Letting go of hope. There's a, a line from the Roman philosopher Seneca, the Stoic philosopher. He says, you cease to be afraid when you cease to hope because hope is accompanied by fear. Now I start most every email, I hope you're doing well. And I hope we're all doing well. And I hope in a certain way for an outcome in life that is inspiring, that is aligned with goodness and caring. But ultimately, I have to give up that hope even. And to surrender and know that personally, we will survive whatever happens, whether it's in these next few days or in these next few weeks or years. And that um, 
goodness and commitment and caring continue to move through us. But to let go of the outcome and result um, and to even allow for it to not be the way it is. I love this line by Charlotte Bronte, who says, um, what is it? To see and know the worst is to take from fear her main advantage. To see and know the worst is to take from fear her main advantage because we spend so much time running away from, oh my God, I can't even entertain that. I don't want to go there, but it actually takes a lot of energy to push things away, thinking that we'll escape it, but it's just actually um, eating us uh, when we put that much energy into it. Joanna Macy calls it active hope, to have a vision and to do your best to bring it about and let go of the result. And I wanted to read a little bit uh, from a, how am I doing, uh, of this, uh, this piece that, uh, let's see, did I put it in the chat box? Um, no, I didn't. Uh, this is a piece by Eric Utney, who founded uh, the Utney Reader, a really, really deep thinker. And uh, he wrote this piece uh, a, a, couple, um, a month or so ago, uh, and it's called, um, uh, what is it? What is this? Feeling hopeless, embrace it, and then take action. So here's a little passage from it, or some of it. Mm. Some, some 25 years ago, a Tibetan friend told me his spiritual practice involved pondering death every day. This struck me as somewhat morbid at the time, but not so anymore. Now I too live with the thought of death daily. I'm not sanguine about the prospects for life on earth. I think we may even be on a path toward rapid economic collapse, climate chaos, social unrest, famine, and near near-term human extinction. Um, this is the strange gift of COVID-19 and the protests in the streets. They've got much of the world thinking about death every day. Life gets more precious when you live with the presence of death. Giving up hope and facing my imminent demise has been a kind of liberation I'm now more alert for ways to love my loved ones and everyone else with as much grace and beauty as I can. I'm noticing the needs that arise around me through direct requests from my family and friends and from complete strangers. I'm deep in the don't know phase of what's next in life but I feel strangely calm, more curious and interested than anxious. I find myself paying attention to the synchronicities to song fragments and random comments that move me and to my memories and dreams. I'm listening for what is needed and wanted and what is mine to do. And I know that the joy and sense of purpose I feel now would not be possible without first experiencing hopelessness. I don't know if any of these efforts that I'm trying to do will go anywhere, and I most certainly won't live to see the full maturations of the seeds I'm sowing, but I'm planting them anyway, because each action brings me joy and feels like the right thing to do. Eric Utney, uh, feeling hopeless, you can just Google it. So before I go on, I um, I just want us to, for a few moments, do the the, uh, the the reflections practice and and letting go of of hope for a moment. We won't stay there. Don't worry. 
but just for a moment, the reflections, the reflections, you probably know them. I am not beyond sickness. This body will become sick. I'm not beyond old age. This body will become old if I live long enough. I'm not beyond death. This body will die. Everyone and everything near and dear to me, I will be separated from. This is the way of things. And I am the owner of my karma, my happiness, unhappiness depends on my choices and my habits and my actions. And with that reflection, see if you can let go of attachment to whatever your vision is. It's so important to have a positive vision, but to let go and give up hope for a few moments and just accept fully whatever might unfold. Just feel the relief in the full release and surrender. Okay, now that's not the end of the talk. <clears throat> There's more to it. We first have to just really come to terms with the first noble truth and with the any possibility. But we have to balance our sorrow, just like it says, the 10,000 sorrows and the 10,000 joys. We have to balance the sorrow with joy, with gratitude, with awe. As the Buddha says, the opening lines of the Dhammapada, we are what we think. With our thoughts, we make the world. So if you're only dwelling on how awful things might be, well, that doesn't benefit anyone. Certainly those thoughts arise, they're natural and to hold them with compassion and equanimity. But there's other ways that the mind can go too. And the one direct path to that open-heartedness, which allows us to hold the sorrow or the despair or the worry or the fear is, um, is gratitude, gratitude and awe. Joanna Macy in her a beautiful spiral of, uh, of active hope starts with gratitude for all the blessings in our life. Then we're able to hold all the pain and process it. And then metabolizing it, we can see it with fresh eyes and then we go forth. So I wanted to uh, take some moments to talk about gratitude, which can help us then hold a positive vision and ultimately uh, open to equanimity. This is from an article uh, that uh, a friend sent me uh, about a study. It's called Awe Walks, A-W-E. Awe Walks Boost Emotional Well-Being. 
I'll just read a little bit of it. A regular dose of awe is a simple way to boost healthy pro-social emotions such as compassion and gratitude, according to a new study by researchers at University of San Francisco Memoring and Aging Center. <clears throat> a partnership between UCSF and Trinity College Dublin to improve brain health worldwide. In the study published in September, in the journal Emotion, older adults who took weekly 15 minute awe walks for eight weeks reported increased positive emotions and less distress in their daily lives. This shift was reflected in selfies participants took on their weekly walks in which an increasing focus on their surroundings rather than themselves was paralleled by measurably broader smiles by the end of the study. Just a little bit more. Negative emotions, particularly loneliness, have well-documented negative effects on the health of older adults, particularly those over age 75, said Virginia Sturm, the, one of the um, researchers. What we show here is that a very simple intervention, essentially a reminder to occasionally shift our energy and attention outward instead of inward, can lead to significant improvements in emotional well being. And what they were told was to go on these 15 minute walks and really pay attention to life around them, to, to notice the trees and have a relationship with it, to notice the children around, to notice life around, even in these times of COVID, to not feel so focused inward, but to see with fresh eyes, uh, the line I love from uh, Albert Einstein, he says, two ways to go through life, one is seeing nothing as a miracle and the other is seeing everything as a miracle. Even perhaps you might even notice maybe as I'm talking, if you've been listening and following and your mind hasn't strayed too, too much, which minds can do, how maybe different it feels now as I'm talking about this than it did 10 minutes ago when I was talking about despair and acceptance of, of the whatever outcome, just inclining the mind for a few moments has such a, a profound effect. So, so I wanted to uh, share with you a, a bit of a um, guided meditation. I don't think I've read it here, at least not in recent times, that my dear friend Patricia Ellsberg put together for the joy course um, a number of years ago. It's in, it's in the book, Awakening Joy. So just tune into this and then we'll do a little bit of a, a, a gratitude practice for a few moments and then we'll, we'll get rounding it out to equanimity. Open in gratitude for the breath that nourishes every cell in your body and has sustained you from the moment you were born. Open in gratitude for the miracle of your body that despite whatever weaknesses or limitations serves you and allows you to sense the wonders of the world. For your brain that coordinates all the functions of your body without you even being aware of it. For consciousness that allows you to perceive, feel and be amazed. Open in gratitude for the eyes that allow you to see the astounding beauty that surrounds you, colors and shapes, the face of a loved one, 
for the ears that enable you to hear birds singing, wind rustling in the leaves, words people say to you, and the laughter of children. For the sense of smell that allows you to enjoy the fragrance of flowers, the scent of fresh air, your favorite food. Open in gratitude for your mouth and tongue that enable you to taste the fruits of the earth, to enjoy a ripe peach or chocolate melting in your mouth. For the skin that protects you and yet allows you to touch and sense the world, feel warmth, coolness, softness, and the touch of a loved one. For your heart that beats faithfully your whole life from even before you were born, open to a sense of wonder and gratitude for the amazing gift of being awake and alive in this precious human form. The fact that we exist or that anything exists at all is a wondrous mystery. We all live in the midst of a miracle, open in gratitude. And while you're in this space inside, I just invite you just as a little extra gratitude practice to bring to mind some blessing in your life, someone or something that you're grateful for or grateful to. And call up an image of that person or being or of that circumstance that life has given you. And send a simple thank you right from your heart. Oh, thank you. And then just enjoy that feeling of that thank you. Let yourself feel it right throughout your body. Just relax into it. Oh, thank you. Notice how it feels in your body and in your mind, in your heart. Okay, you can come back now if you'd like. Amazing how the mind can go anywhere. We are what we think with our thoughts we make the world. So it's good to have both being able to open up to the sorrow and be able to open up to the joy. But then coming back to this quality of equanimity that allows for it all. You're allowing for it all, but you're also mm, not just a passive bystander. Equanimity is engaged. It's, it's actively holding our caring with a spaciousness and that also um, acknowledges that change is possible. Even if things might unfold in a certain way in, a short, in the short term, the, the basic um, underlying principle of equanimity is that everything changes. So you're not 
trying to get to one peak experience and maintain it. This is about being here for the ups and the downs and the ups and the downs and not getting caught or stuck in thinking, oh, if things go down, that's, that's the end. You know, I, I gave a talk in the last, uh, oh no, I had, um, who was it? Uh, Dwayne Elgin and, uh, and his friends talk about uh, choosing earth and talking about these next 50 years. I, if you were around, you, you remember that he's saying, any way you slice it, there is we're in what he calls now this decade, the great unraveling. And there's going to be dukkha one way or another and going into the great, what do you call it? The great fall and then the great sorrow. And then the possibility of the great awakening is it's quite profound, but just seeing it's more than just this one slice of the moment. And also to see that change is possible. One thing uh, in, the, in, in this last couple of weeks that I've been doing that's been really inspiring for me, I've been uh, uh, reading, I've been reading one book and having two other dimensions of this, reading a book uh, that somebody sent me, I think I mentioned it in, in here in the last few weeks, it's called Rising Up From Hatred about this white supremacist who was like, a superstar in the white nationalist world who through love and through awakening, he woke up and saw, and saw things in a whole different way. It's very inspiring. And um, I recommend it highly, uh, Rising Up From Hatred. And this weekend I was with, um, I was I took part in a workshop that I I, I was I was just a participant, uh, and um, and one of the, it was a um, it was on healing it was the healing circle and healing uh, racism or maybe it was on the it was during the during the day uh, during one early morning uh, and one of the there were four speakers a, a Muslim a Jew who went through the Holocaust. Uh, um, uh, African American, uh, a black woman teacher that I so respect, Bellevue Brook, Bellevue Rooks, and this another white supremacist who named Tony McAleer, who talked about his conversion, and he goes around speaking to people, uh, speaking to white nationalists, and he talked about how things changed within him that there is so much, there's so much sh toxic shame that needs to be uh, expressed in self-esteem that comes out as violence to, to, to overcome all of that shame. And he said, once you start holding all of that pain inside with compassion and love, there's a transformation that takes place. Really inspiring, Tony McAleer. Um, and uh, also on the weekend, I was with uh, in a workshop with this uh, man, Jarvis Masters, who's been on uh, in San Quentin for 40 years. He's been on death row for most of that time. And he's written Buddhist books and he is this bright light. So seeing all of these, these three different people who've been, who've risen up from such depths to be to be bright lights. Change is possible. So we're working to make this a better world, letting go of, of outcome and control and just knowing we can do our part. So here's where equanimity comes in, where it's just like this, as Ajahn Sumedho says, oh, things are the way they are. It's just like this. Things change in an unfolding that we have no idea. The pendulum swings from shadow to light, from confusion to awakening. That's just the way of things. 
And here we are, our practice is just to hold it all. So just in the last few moments, and maybe we can have some time to open it up for some questions. I just invite us to practice some equanimity at this point. Here we are with 10,000 sorrows and 10,000 joys at this intense moment in time. And just go inside and first acknowledge how much you care. This is the heart of compassion. And how much that caring sometimes turns into wanting and into fear and into a hope that can get us very disturbed And just stay connected to that place that simply loves life. And is filled with gratitude. And then simply allows, just allowing life to unfold. We do our part. But the more we can be like the Buddha touching the earth or smiling through all the ups and downs, the more we can not just show up for ourselves, but transmit that to others. So you might envision these next few days, these next few weeks, keeping this in the forefront of your practice. Letting go of knowing Letting go of attachment. Holding an inspiring vision in the big picture. And doing your part to just show up and let life use you well as a gift to yourself and everyone that you know. So we have some, some time, uh, if you'd like to either um, share a, a comment or uh, ask a question for us to explore and uh, to make it relatively um, succinct in case there are people who, others who, who wanna share, you can either raise your hand digitally or um, if you're, uh, I can't see both screens. Uh, so um, if you raise it digitally or if you, uh, you wanna uh, unmute yourself, um, I'd like to hear from people, either whatever might've come up from the talk or uh, whatever is on your mind. Let's be here together as a community.
Yeah, John. Hi. You can unmute yourself. I just had a couple of cool moments today when I realized that I had choice. They're just little moments, but I was having a nice walk with my wife and I was thinking about something yesterday that was kind of negative. And we have a really beautiful walk. And I just said, I don't need to talk about that. I can talk about what, you know, Arnell wants to talk about. Is I don't know, there's having little moments where I feel like I've got a little bit more choice than I did before. Yeah, that's a profound, simple little understanding. Yeah. And, and I just want to comment, that's not to say that one should just live in denial and, um, you know, bury your head in the sand and think, oh, uh, I don't have to think about that stuff. We, we do need to, we want to stay connected enough so that we feel, so that our caring and compassion gets activated, but not so much that we get overwhelmed. As I've said before, for me, compassion and equanimity go together you don't want to get so close and so overwhelmed that you are, you know, activating trauma. Uh, but you don't want to get so far back and distant that you're disconnected. And so it's a continual balance between uh, caring and allowing, like uh, in T.S. Eliot's, I guess, Four Quartets, where he says, teach me to care and not to care. You know, that, that, that's the balance to, to do both. But it's great to see you have a choice and you don't have to keep on just dwelling on that tape loop in the mind that's so easy to get stuck in. Yeah, remember that yeah. moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a tricky one because I was also earlier in the week, I was caught up on, with outcome because I was really bummed when I read the poll that Proposition 15 might not pass. And I've been doing a little bit of phone banking and it discouraged me from continuing to call people to encourage them about that. And so that was where the attachment outcome was not helping me at all <laughs> and was discouraged me from continuing. Mm -hmm. So I needed more choice to let go of the <laughs> attachment to the you know, outcome and discouragement. Yeah. Beautiful, thank you. Just keep on remembering you have a choice in every moment. Thank you. Who else, anyone else? Dwight, hi. Hey, you know, when you were talking about hopelessness at first, I, I flashed right on uh, what a good friend and coach talks with me a lot about when we're talking about intention setting about the difference between what and the how and the when that in any intention, small or big, and I tend, these tend to be about big ones. If I got control over control over anything, it's about that what. And I've, you know, you know me, I've started a lot of organizations and whatnot, and, but the how and the when, I, I guess I've lived long enough, I can look back and say, wow, how, 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 how windy and crooked that road is. And so when I have those moments where I'm not particularly eponymous or the monkey mind is going, it, it's very helpful for me to just get back to focusing on the what and, and, and do my darndest to really let go of the how and, and the when. And it's, mm -hmm. when I manage to, it's pretty liberating. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. And you, uh, for the, you know, most of you don't know, Dwight has started a number of nonprofits and has done such amazing work in this world and you probably couldn't have figured out how the script was when you started it it's just the next thing to do so um that's the secret it's not up to you to figure out the script you just show up have a vision and then just see what life wants to how life wants to use you yeah and i i bow to you and all that you've done thanks How are we doing? We have maybe time for one or two more. Anyone else?
Diane, uh, what, where does faith come in? She, she asks. So faith, actually in, um, in Buddhism, the word sadha, S-A-D-D-H-A, uh, which is often translated as faith, uh, is also um, translated as trust or conviction or confidence. And it's really about putting your heart into something, a heartfelt connection. And it's not faith that everything is gonna work out. It's more um, the way I see it, trust in the natural unfolding of things and trust on a personal level that your awareness will meet the moment when it comes. Not, oh, it's gonna happen just the way I hope, but just whatever happens, I have the capacity to meet it wisely and with compassion uh, and to have that positive vision without the attachment. Yeah. Uh, Charlie, last, last one, then we probably have to go. Uh, there's a, a line, the, the, the Sufi master Anayat Khan is a poem, The Peer, and The Peer is not really about, well, it's about you, how to do a proper attitude towards the teacher. And it, it goes, uh, a new hope is born in my heart by breathing thy peaceful atmosphere. I thought that was something that, you know, some sort of hope that's more fresh and new than, than, than the one, you know, the future type hope. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. And, and what that points to is that we affect each other. And whatever we, you know, if we're walking around with fear and anxiety and, and anger, that, that's what we're breathing. That's what others are breathing around us. And if we're walking around with love and caring and equanimity, if we can get in touch with it, that's the frequency, the vibration that we're transmitting and that is picked up as well. So um, that's why it's such a, um, a generous, important act to get in touch with our own centeredness and caring and love because it affects everybody else around us. So thanks for that line. Uh, it's beautiful. Okay, it's just about time, but I, I thought I'd, I'd uh, end uh, have a minute before we, I ring the bell with a Mary Oliver poem. You do not have to be good. You do not have to walk on your knees for a hundred miles through the desert, re desert repenting. You only have to let the soft animal of your body love what it loves. Tell me about despair, yours, and I will tell you mine. Meanwhile, the world goes on. Meanwhile, the sun and the clear pebbles of the rain are moving across the landscapes over the prairies and the deep trees, the mountains and the rivers. Meanwhile, the wild geese high in the clean blue air are heading home again. Whoever you are, no matter how lonely, the world offers itself to your imagination, calls to you like the wild geese, harsh and exciting over and over announcing your place in the family of things. We all belong. So let our next days and, and weeks be held in that spirit of equanimity, just allowing, caring, connecting with the wisdom inside and, and the love. And may our coming here together be of benefit to all beings everywhere, human and non-human.
and surround the planet with healing energy. <clears throat> <clears throat> 